You're listening to the Therapy for Women podcast with licensed therapists Amanda White, Fern Formel, and Gabby Salomone. Whether you're contemplating therapy for the first time, already in therapy, or reconsidering it, this podcast will empower you with tips, advice, and plenty of real talk so you can get the most out of your sessions. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. How are we today? Hello. We're really excited because we have Leah Wright here, who is one of our awesome therapists at Therapy for Women, and she is a perinatal motherhood specialist, and we're going to talk today about her specialty and more about parenting and motherhood and deciding whether you want to have a child and and how that decision can be hard. So how are you, Leah? Hi, I'm doing well today. Thank you guys for having me on. Yes. I've been really excited about this. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you. Yeah, yeah, we're super excited for it's this. It's like our first official guest. Yes, you are. Oh, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, great. I love it. Yes. Yes, you are our first official guest. So welcome to our, you know, little chat here that we get to have weekly about different topics. So we're really excited. Yeah. Leah, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your specialty and like the clinical work that you do? Yeah. So hello, everyone. As you all know, I'm Leah Wright. (laughs) And I specialize in working with, I usually like to say birthing people because not just women have to give birth, but um, specialized in working with birthing people with, again, as the decision of motherhood, but also to navigating their pregnancy journey, fertility journey, if you're, you know, struggling with fertility, and also to postpartum, postpartum anxiety, depression, postpartum psychosis, or postpartum OCD, just a lot of those different diagnoses that can be onset from, you know, pregnancy and postpartum, and also to just motherhood as a whole. Because, yeah, we always talk about just that you know, initial first stages, the first few months and first few weeks. But, you know, every stage is a little different. Every stage comes with different challenges. What is it like to parent a child who might have a diagnosis of anxiety and OCD or parent a child with autism spectrum disorder and ADHD and the other challenges that can come with that in motherhood? And there's already also so many other aspects of it, of mom guilt, going back to work. Should I breastfeed? Should I bottle feed? Not sleeping, insomnia, and, you know, just the overall mental well-being of a parent. And also, too, there's been studies of it's not just birthing people who might experience these symptoms, but also to their studies that's not just hormonal, that it can be dads who have postpartum. Yeah. And also to adoptive parents can experience the same exact mood disorders in, you know, perinatal, in that perinatal world, right? So that that's why they changed it to more of just perinatal mood and anxiety disorder or PMAD as the acronym, but because so many other people who experience parenthood will experience the same exact symptoms in that world. That's if you didn't give birth, you can still experience that. Very interesting. So Leah, I guess when you kind of start talking with a 
client about this. How do you like to approach this topic with your clients? Yeah, I mean, again, like it's such a touchy subject, right? Because people are really scared to talk about it. So I read this book and I took a training with Karen Kleinman, who is one of the pioneers in this work is wonderful. And she created this idea of the art of holding. And we always talk about, you know, holding the client without actually like touching the client, but being able to just provide this space where, you know, is that is this open space and allowing the client to just talk and cry and just being able to feel like they can vent without any judgment and just saying, I'm here for you. And in that that first sentence, right? Like, I hear you. This is hard. This is a struggle. You don't have to love parenting. You don't have to love this process. And like a very like, like soft voice. And again, bringing in that another like maternal type of voice. Because again, like when sometimes when we are going through this, a lot of times we might seek this figure that might not be there. So again, of just being that support system for someone who might not have it in that space can be really helpful. And I noticed that it can help a lot of people just open up a little more because a lot of people don't want to talk about the challenges of pregnancy or parenthood or isolation of fertility. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, like a deep topic too, of like the challenge of infertility and conceiving and you know, the question of, is it even possible for me to have a child, right? Like, that's a huge, I think, topic and fear that people don't talk about a lot is like going in to it of, well, can I get pregnant? Can that occur? Or am I, you know, going to struggle with infertility like some of my friends, like my sister, like my cousin, whoever, right? And wondering that and seeing the heartache and pain that they go through, right? Like, is how is that going to impact me? Or like those what if questions. Exactly. Those what ifs. And it's also, Gabby, bring like continuing that conversation or piggybacking off it of this idea, like you're wanting to have a baby and you're trying and you don't know if anything is going on, but then all of a sudden you see a pregnancy announcement. You see another pregnancy announcement, another one, right? Or, oh, I have, you know, all these other great things coming up, like baby showers you have to go to, and you're still trying, and it's not happening. And so a lot of people, you know, feel like I can't be upset because, you know, my best friend is having her third child, and, you know, I wanted this, or I know, like, my friend was struggling, and now she's pregnant. I'm still not pregnant. Like, you're still allowed to be upset, It's hard because no one wants to have this idea of like feeling upset for anyone, but that feeling is still real and allowing yourself to be two things at once, right? Allowing yourself to be, you know, happy for someone and also acknowledging your own feelings like, well, this is unfair and this really sucks right now. As we're recording this, um, we're, we're in like the end of January and I'm currently pregnant. And I think one of the weirdest things for me, because I struggled a lot with the decision to have kids, to not have kids. And I think the weirdest thing that kept coming up for me was I have to decide whether I want to have children or not before I know if it is possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
which is so wild. Never, nowhere else do we have to, you know, decide whether we want a job before we get the job offer (laughs) or know if it's possible or whatever. Yes. Like that is really like, I think a big part of this of like, can I even do this? Is this even possible? And then like that, what if of going into it and like, okay, I decided I wanted this and then having to deal with that heartache. Mm-hmm. Right. Or how long is it going to take? Like, like, you know, you have to decide whether you want kids and then you have to be okay with, with before you know if you'll be able to have kids. And then also you have to be like, I also have, it could be a month or a year plus. <laughs> and either I have to be okay with. Exactly. Like we're told, especially like when we're like, you know, in adolescence and, you know, we're getting you know, we're getting into this puberty and everything. Like, oh, you have sex, you're going to get pregnant, yes. right? Kind of like from Mean Girls, right? With the health. Yeah. <laughs> you will get pregnant and die. Right. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But it's like, it makes it so easy, right? But then when you get older and, and you know, again, we try to do everything we can not to get pregnant and do all of these things. And then all of a sudden you get older and a little bit more wiser and, you know, you meet people and, you know, decide maybe I, I do or I don't. But like just the, this idea, like it's one thing if I decided not to have a baby, right? The what then if you are told you can have a baby, it comes off so different, right? That choice as a as someone who can wants to conceive and can conceive, like it's just being taken away from you, even if you didn't know if you wanted to have a baby. So that's also like another hard, hard part of it all. It's a whole scary process, and people don't want to, you know, say that they're scared or they have to make these hard decisions because a lot comes with it. It's not just oh, I'm going to have a baby and then that's it, right? Then you have a ton of other decisions to make, and then or I don't want to have a baby, and then you're judged by society. Yeah, it's like you go, you start with, you know, oh, are you dating anyone? And then no. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, and then, oh, yes, I am dating someone. When are you guys going to get engaged? To then, when's the wedding? To then, you know, right after the wedding, it's like, when are you guys going to start having kids? Right. And then once you have, if you do have a baby, then, oh, when are you going to have another one? Let me just breathe for a second. Yes. This this makes me think. I I just want to acknowledge that I'm here mostly for pop culture references, but <laughs> <laughs> this is making me think. There's an episode of Friends where Rachel's like, "Okay, I don't mm-hmm. want to have a baby any later than 35, but I want to be married for at least a year. So I want to get married at 34." She's like, I, "Yeah, she's like, I need a year and a half to plan the wedding, and I need this." And, yeah. and it's and it's so crazy. And like, I'd be lying if I hadn't had like if I said I hadn't had those thoughts myself. Like, I totally was like, "Okay, well, if I really want to think about this, like, how long do I want to be married for? Do I want to get married in the first place? Do I want to have kids in the first place?" Like, I think for a lot of people, if you're thinking about your future and the possibility of kids, right? I think if you're confident in knowing that you don't want to have kids, then it doesn't matter, right? But if you are wondering, should I, shouldn't I, you totally think about all of those things coming up and it's exhausting. Yes. Especially when you have so little, right? Like, okay, you can have a little more control maybe over like when you get married or how long you plan the wedding for or whatever, but you have no you have no control, really, very little control over how quickly or easily you'll get pregnant. Right. Like it can take, you know, some people it might take like a month 
right? Sometimes it can take years. But as you know, a society that we live in, it's just we love instant gratification. And again, as women, right, or you know, birthing people, we are told at young ages we are here to do this one thing, and then if we can't right away, where everyone tells us get you're going to get pregnant as soon as you have sex. Then all of a sudden, this fear of I'm failing myself, I'm not doing anything right. How how can this happen, right? And we put so much pressure on ourselves where that guilt starts to come in that I can't even do this right. The one thing I'm supposed to do. But that's not how it works, right? Again, you know, looking into some of the research, it's like this 2% window that you can get pregnant and people don't realize it, which is wild, Right. I think too what's so weird is because I like you know I've worked with clients who've struggled with getting pregnant and I I feel like maybe I was biased because I had a lot of friends that struggled to get pregnant. I have a lot of clients that struggled to get pregnant. My mom struggled to get pregnant, so I just assumed it would take me a long time to get pregnant and I had the experience of getting pregnant like the first cycle like very immediately. And it's so strange because I've heard so much from women being like I'm ashamed like you were talking about Leah because this is what I was meant to do. And then I almost had this different experience where I was like I feel ashamed that I got pregnant so quickly. Like, what am I, like, fertile myrtle over here? (laughs) (laughs) And it made me be like, maybe it's not – maybe if we all feel shame, no matter what happens, maybe it's not us. Maybe it's, like, the culture Mm -hmm. that, right, if you can't get pregnant, there's something wrong with you. If you easily get pregnant, there's something wrong with you. If you don't want to have kids, like, maybe we can't do anything right. That's what it seems like. Yeah, this damned if you do, damned if you don't type of mentality. You know, it's definitely sad that society, like, puts this on, you know, birthing people. But yeah, it's really, it's hard because there's so much, you know, guilt that comes with that. And then this idea, like, okay, if I do decide to have a child, am I going to breastfeed? Am I going to bottle feed? If I breast, if I bottle feed, people are going to judge me for that. If I do this, if I go back to work, then someone's going to judge me for that. If I stay home, I'm going to be judged, right? So, and there's so many different things that can go on. And also too, when, you know, does someone decides to get pregnant, like what could happen when someone, when I have, would get pregnant, miscarriages happen. Very common, right? And then there comes that that's really scary. Someone who probably, who might've endured multiple miscarriages or even just one. Mm-hmm. The thought of getting pregnant can be really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not, might not be so joyous. Everyone's like, oh, you're pregnant. Yeah, you've decided to have a baby. Everything's great. But I'm still grieving that loss that I did have. Even though it might have been like oh, you were five weeks pregnant, it's still a loss, right? And it's still scary to keep going because, you know, during that, you know, those nine months, you don't know what can happen. Anything can. So it's really scary. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, too? Like, I think you make a good point, Leah. Like, even if you are like five weeks along and you have a miscarriage from talking with, a, a, you know, friends and family and clients, mm-hmm. you still allow yourself – if you haven't had like maybe miscarriages before, right, if it's like your right. first one, you still allow yourself to imagine that future, right? Like you still allow yourself to kind of fantasize a little bit or at least a lot of people do I find, right, mm-hmm. where you're thinking about what is that human going to be like? What's your future going to be like together? What parent could going to be like? So even if you're early on – it's still a significant loss. A huge loss. Right. Especially if you try to have get pregnant, right? When you get this like 
hope, right? It's like, oh, it was, I had something I really wanted and then it was taking away from me. So if I decide to get pregnant again, am I going to put myself in that fear again of, or that vulnerability aspect of being like something I wanted so bad, taking away from me again and enduring that grief and that pain, right? And it's, it can feel really scary for a lot of people, but no one really wants to talk about it. So Leah, for for clients or people that are struggling with the idea of whether to have kids, whether not to have kids, if they want them, if they don't, do you have any advice or questions that you encourage people to kind of ask themselves? I think we don't even know what questions sometimes to ask ourselves. Yeah. I mean, again, like it really comes down to just like maybe making lists of like, what are some of the pros and cons? Like very, going back to basics a little bit of making and like what life could look like and also too of just like I like to dig a little deeper when it comes to these decisions in like a very psychodynamic way and what's also really important which I've like talked to other people about and other clients and even like you know past friends of one of the main reasons why they wouldn't want to have a baby or the fear of having a baby is just due to maybe not the best relationship with their mom Mm, that's so good. Mothering as a motherless mother, in a sense. A lot of times there is this part when we either get pregnant or through our pregnancy, or even right when we have the baby, we have this, you know, this instinct need, like I need my mom at times, yeah. right? Even when something big happens sometimes, if you have a good relationship with your mom, I, I want to tell my mom, I need my mom. I need my mom to stay here for a little bit and mm-hmm. help me like with this new baby. Some people don't have that. How to find a way to look at it in a different lens of, okay, so what can you take from mom or your past, take from it and not something that you are thinking you're going to continue, but how can you do the opposite, right? Okay. Of like in that world of like opposite action. Like what would mm-hmm. life look like if you did have a baby? And kind of painting this picture, right? Think about closing your eyes a little bit. What mm. would life look like if you had a baby? And, you know, mom's not there and you you can think about your past and everything, but what would that look like? And then just writing it all out. And like for a few sessions, like of just kind of being able to like write out, okay, let's talk about what would life look like with a baby? And then let's say, what would life look like without a baby? And just letting yourself just write it all out like a a blueprint and what that can, you know, which could be really helpful for people to see because in our minds sometimes, like, it seems so chaotic. When you write it all out and you can see things a little close and, you know, just see things a little laid out a little easier, you can, you know, figure out like, okay, like this might not be as scary as I thought. And then listing out your, okay, if you decide to have a baby, who are your support systems? Who's your village that you can bring in if you decide? Um, You know, how would you like to go about this journey? Like, you know, what is like realistic for you being as as possible? But if you decide not to have a baby, okay, great. When you feel like getting into those moments of like, oh, maybe I did the wrong thing. How can you, how can you cope? How can you self-soothe yourself? How can you bring in the self-compassion part and say to yourself, no, I made the right decision for myself. If you ever start to feel, oh, maybe I should have. I didn't write it out, but what helped me was I would pretend for a day or two that I was going to have kids and then I would pretend for a day or two that I wasn't going to have kids. And I would like live in the experience of what was different. And that was, I think like we really don't give ourselves sometimes the space, like you were saying, to fully explore one option or the other because 
at least for myself, I always assumed I would have kids, but I, you know, I assumed I would have kids in the way that I was like 16 and people talk to you and they're just like, you know, your parents say to you, when you have kids, you'll understand. And then as I got older, like it was something that my husband and I really thought out and and considered not having kids. And the ability I felt to fully consider, at least for me, I don't think this is necessary for everyone, but it was very important for me to allow myself to fully go to and explore what it would look like to not have kids so that I could be more confident in the choice that I made, where I think a lot of times people are hesitant to fully explore that because they feel like there's something wrong with themselves or they feel that shame or they don't feel like it's even an option. So they don't fully go there. Great example of like how it could, you can make that decision for yourself, right? It's not an easy one. I went through something similar when I became pregnant three months postpartum. I was very, like I found out I was pregnant again and I was going to actually terminate pregnancy because I just started to feel like myself again after going through my postpartum like depression and anxiety journey and going through my own therapy and you know going on Zoloft and just finally feeling like myself again and what also helped me decide that I'm going to you know cancel my appointment at Planned Parenthood and I didn't know I was a son at the time but like keep my son which I'm so happy I did he's like you know other than my daughter the light of my life I'm so happy I did but you know I was felt like I was able to talk talk to like my my mom my mother-in-law even opened up to who you know at first when you talk to like your family or outside members when you're talking about your postpartum and they're like you're fine right yeah. especially the old yes. kids. yeah but at this time when I told them I was pregnant again and I spoke to my husband like I really was able to open up about my struggles and I mean I was lucky enough to have them be like, I do hear you and we're here for mm-hmm. you if you want to, you know what I mean? And just feel that I felt supported. And I was like, you know what? All right. I have supportive people. I'm able to do that. But what makes it harder is when, again, you don't have that. So of, you know, not being able to like, you know, talk to your partner if you feel supported mm-hmm. or you yeah. know these things, you know, and then you put yourself in those shoes like, okay, let me think about what life would be like. And then I realized like, yeah, maybe I, I wanted a sibling for my daughter. This happen. So I'm just gonna, we're just gonna do it. I did a lot of research on what I, what it's like to have Irish twins. People, it's a bit very hard, but I was, again, I had a therapist and going through my therapy journey with, you know, with postpartum. And I felt like I had certain skills that at that time that I was able to utilize that I didn't have at the time. And that was also helpful. You know, I think, Leah, you also bring up a really, really interesting topic, right? That like the decision to whether you have kids or not doesn't end just because you had one kid, right? Like that decision and that question comes up either with every pregnancy or any time that you're considering, like, do I want my kid to have a sibling? Do I want them to have more siblings? And so this conversation, this topic, this questioning never really is done until you are truly done having kids. And even then, maybe you question it. Right, exactly. I mean, again, like you can have three kids, but also too, every time if you did decide to have a child and then it ha- happens again, like it's so different, right? Things become so different. Again, when you have one child, okay, it's one child, but then like you get pregnant again. The idea of having a toddler running around trying to potty train and teach them things and also healing and you know, trying to go through the whole newborn stage again. 
with a toddler or, oh, I have two kids I have to take care of and they're going through their things and I have a newborn, I have to take care of this and the household and do I go back to work now? Like Mm -hmm. questions that come up that's unanswered because we don't know what the future is. But again, it's a very scary. I relate to you a lot, Leah, with with, when I first got pregnant, I had pretty intense, severe suicidal thoughts. And I've, I've had suicidal thoughts before, but this felt different in that, I don't know, in my, I had a lot of suicidal issues in my like addiction and stuff like that, but it felt very rational at the time is the only way to explain it. Like I lost all my friends. I lost a ton of parent support. I, you know, couldn't envision a life out of it. So it felt very logical that I should end my life. But this was very different because it was like, I have a life I love. I have great support. I've accomplished all these things. I'm in recovery, but I still had this very intense, persistent thought that I needed to end my life. And it was very scary because of how illogical it was. It felt like I had a lot less control over it. And because of how intense it was, I also considered terminating the pregnancy. I was very scared about that. And it felt very like ridiculous to think about that because it was like a wanted pregnancy. But I was, thankfully I had a very, you know, my husband's very supportive and he was like, you matter, you you matter more, you know, and like, I need you to be here um, regardless of what happens, you know, but it's, I, I related to you a lot with the, uh, the fact that like, if he wouldn't have let me, I think fully explore that option, or if I didn't have friends too, who I called and they were like, you don't have to have this baby also. It was, I mean, I'm not going to say it saved my life because I don't know, but it really helped me a lot with just, again, I think it's like what we've been talking about with consent and choice and having different, you know, not being trapped in something. It really, choice matters. It it gives you freedom to make the best decision for you. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, thank you for sharing that. It's very real too what you experienced and definitely scary and again these thoughts come up when you know you're going through pregnancy that you maybe are just like why is this happening right like things are supposed to be going well I should again this should this idea that I should be happy this is what I wanted but yeah pregnancy can be really scary yeah and it and again a lot of you know our mental health and well-being can be heightened and so many other things of feeling sick yeah. right yeah you know i work with clients with ocd and one of the things that we work with is physical sensations right and the interceptives and recently i had to work with a client who is pregnant and physical sensations was one of her things and it was like deciphering is Mm. this actually like really bad morning sickness or is this your OCD Mm. and deciphering Mm. the two took us a little bit of time (laughs) yeah yeah oh wow right that's hard yeah and I was like oh and this was the first time for me and so then it was like Mm -hmm. okay like let's kind of see are you like body checking like going through the things Mm. and it was like 
no, no, this is like I'm waking up every single day and not it's not going away where the physical sensations around like the checking and health and stuff subsides. This does not subside. <laughs> and so then it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you need to get on to like meds. You need to talk to your doctor. Like it's not going to fix it. We need meds. Let's get back to that. And then we'll come back and like talk about the body skinning that you're doing as you're in the middle of pregnancy and struggling with OCD. Gabby, piggybacking off of being on medication and going through mental health struggles and the idea of getting pregnant, right? Am I going to put this on my child? Am I going to be able to continue medication while I'm on pregnancy? Is something going to happen to my baby if I'm on medication, right? So again, that fear is really scary for a lot of people, right? Or you have a partner that want to get pregnant. It's like, but I need my medication, yeah. right? There's so many things and fears come into play with that, but it's also, you know, again, no one really wants to talk about this either, but it's so important to stay on medication when you are pregnant and people mm-hmm. don't really want to stay on medications when they're pregnant. Yes, finding the psychiatrist or psychiatric nurse practitioner that has done the training and are well-versed mm-hmm. on yes. Medication and pregnancy in post, you know, postpartum, I think are so important. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not talked about because, you know, a primary care doctor, an OB will be the first thing get off the meds, get off everything, stop all yep. the things, which is the it's worst. just their gut reaction. Yes. Yeah. Right. That is the worst right. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, the worst thing. Yeah. Because there could be so many health, other health things that can happen. Yes. I think that's, you know, definitely something that is important too of like working with a team that is well-versed. Going to your primary for meds initially is great, but if they're not working or they're not really super well-versed, that can be expensive. But like, that seeing that specialist, even if it's a couple times. Yeah. Who can be your advocate. Yes, is worth the investment. Yeah. Someone who like just understands a little bit of just that, you know, that world. Yes. Yeah. And has done the training and understands and knows the research and is aware of like what is actually best practice here. Because it can be more dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to share with you all, we have a group coming up and a really great workshop that we're super excited to offer. Kat Hilton is going to be leading a DBT skills group. It's going to be virtual, so you can attend anywhere in the country. It's going to be four classes over four weeks in April, April 5th, 12th, 19th, and 26th. It's 175 for the package of the four. And what's so great about this group is that you're going to get tons of worksheets, handouts. You're going to do exercises. DBT is phenomenal at helping you regulate your emotions. So we highly recommend that group. It's only going to be limited to a certain number of people. So if you're interested in it, We highly recommend signing up. We also have an anxiety and insomnia workshop that's going to be coming up Thursday, April 13th. It's going to be $20 for the hour. If you can't make it live, a recording will also be sent out to you. And it's going to be led by Becca, who is one of our therapists who really specializes in insomnia and and anxiety. So we hope to see you there. If you're interested in either of those, you can visit therapyforwomencenter.com slash events to learn more. And we'll also link them in the show notes. 
One thing that also helped me in my decision was I think like if you're someone who's really logical and you make decisions based on like pros and cons lists or costs and benefits and you really kind of go to, you know, this list is longer and this list is shorter. One thing that was interesting for me that came up was it was very clear when I made my list of like pros and cons of having kids that there were like significantly more cons, it felt like. Than pros. But what I had to really come to at the end of the day was it didn't matter. Like the big, the what, the pro that mattered for me was that I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that I think sometimes is lost in like, I weirdly, because I like have a business and I'm very fulfilled by that and everything. And I know logically many people who struggle with having kids and, you know, maybe it didn't make sense for me to have kids because of my mental health issues or whatever. But at the end of the day, what I had to decide was I wanted to despite you know, all of that. And I think that's important too. Like you also have a right to choose. I mean, I feel like having kids isn't really logical a lot of times because if you you look through it, you would be like, this is awful. (laughs) Right. Right. I know, Leah, you see couples as Fern also sees couples. I'm wondering if you ever see couples that come in and they're like, either A, like, how do we know if we want to have kids? Or B, one wants to have a child and one is like, I don't know. Yeah. How do you work through that? Leah, I'll let you take this one first. (laughs) (laughs) You want to go with this one? (laughs) It's really, really hard to – that is one of the hardest things. I'm working with a couple now that's going through something like that. But of what I've been trying to do with them is just really assessing both sides and then come up with this magical answer that might not be there, right? Mm Because there might not be – a good answer. But it's really important to recognize too of like, is if this person is going to give you a baby, did he really give you what you want if he's not there? Right. Mm. Or if this person gave you a baby and the other person's unhappy, did you really get something out of it? Right. Did Mm -hmm. you really get what you wanted? Because if you have this baby and your partner is miserable and your partner and you fight all the time is this really something that you really wanted right because yeah you want to have a baby but you also want to have that partner yeah that supportive as well because again this process is very isolating the other hand too if this person didn't give you a baby Mm -hmm. you're going to be resentful and is that also something that you want Mm -hmm. So asking those important questions. I guess is there like more exploration of like relationships with parents that go into this and fears about like parenting themselves and all that? Yeah. Again, like I'm still trying to like work with that. Mm -hmm. But that's like really the one thing that like I've been like working with of just bringing up that question again. Like what does that look like? Like if you feel resentful towards your partner, if they did, right? Mm -hmm. Or did it? Yeah. It was it really worth it in a sense? I think there's a difference between one partner saying, yes, I want to have kids and another the other saying, I don't know if I want to. I think that leaves mm. a lot more room for exploration. But if one partner's coming in saying, I want kids and one partner's coming in saying, I absolutely do not want kids, there's still exploration to be done. Like, why do you want them? Why don't you want them? Mm-hmm. But if both people are firmly like yes and no, 
I'm sorry to say to anyone listening to this, if that's the situation you're in and neither of you are lifting your feet on that one, it's not going to work. Because right. like just like Leah said, like one of you is going to be disappointed. One of you is going to be resentful depending on how that works out. So like there's always room for, for exploration, like understanding the why behind someone's yes or no or hesitancies or concerns or questions, right? Mm-hmm. But if someone – firmly in their yes or no, and they're not changing, they're not going to change their answer for you. Yeah. Mm. So true. So true. We could even take this a step further, right? Because we see cases like this where a couple comes in, they're on different ends of it. Maybe they break up, they get divorced, and then the person who originally said no goes off and has kids, right? We can can talk about that. We can go down that road. (laughs) And like that's really tricky because then the reality is is that there may have been something going on in that relationship that that partner who was originally saying no either hadn't discovered about themselves individually yet or wasn't saying about the relationship. But if that has happened to anyone who's listening, I do want to point out like it probably had very little to do with you specifically and to try to not personalize that even though it's going to feel incredibly personal. I mean, I guess this is a question for you guys too, is like, do you see it more that someone changes their mind after marriage or do you think people avoid the topic and they just assume they're on the same page? Yeah. I work with a couple that they have adopted a child, but before they adopted and they got together, it was, yeah, we're going to try to have kids. But now they have one, one of them still wants one and the other one, no, I don't. So that's that's also can like be in the same realm of challenges, right? Like we had this decision in the beginning of it and now other things in life have popped up and now I don't want one and you still do. So that's a huge challenge. Definitely. What's that quote? It's like committing to someone or something like that is witnessing like a thousand deaths of them or something Mm. like that. It's I'm going to have to find the quote specifically, but basically saying like, if you commit your life to someone, Mm -hmm. you're going to see so many changes within that person. Mm -hmm. And what can be really tricky is that, as you said, Leah, right, we can go into a relationship, be on the same page. Life happens. We change as people. We change our minds. We, you know, we get different opinions about things. And sometimes that can mean that we're no longer on the same page about major life choices anymore. And that's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing, too. Right. Absolutely. Because right. even, too, like, you know, you guys can be a couple can be in, you know, love and so excited about a new baby that they do bring into this world. And now they're on not even separate pages, they're in separate books, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's, you know, then a lot of people always say like, oh, we got divorced because of kids, right? Or we separated because of kids, which then can make it really scary for someone else to go into like in a relationship or get married with someone and say, this just happened and I don't want to get a divorce. Like I want to still be with you, but I'm scared if we have a kid or, you know, a baby that we're going to separate, you know, like you're as you're still discovering your baby and who they are like you're discovering your partner as a parent and it might not be someone who you recognize right and then rewording that right like you didn't get divorced because of kids you got divorced yes. because of this new lack of communication right. yeah exactly mm-hmm. like there's it's 
kids don't cause divorces. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. People love to blame them. Though. Yes. 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 Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. I I have a question for you too, Leah. Um, and this is like shifting a little bit, if that's okay, with, with yeah. the, the questions we're going down. Is um, I know a lot of people, myself included, who like want to have, you know, children and stuff, but are terrified of like pregnancy and delivery. It's much more common to hear stories about like awful pregnancies and awful deliveries. And like so rarely, like I feel like you really have to seek out positive experiences from other people. And so as a therapist who sees clients who might be, you know, debating this decision of whether or not to have kids and maybe some of that's rooted in fear, are there any resources or anything that you point people to or or just any like tactics or techniques that can help manage that fear? Yeah, for sure. A lot of times I will point people in direction of the Postpartum Support International. They have a lot of groups or like support groups and just like drop-ins with women who, you know, are scared of pregnancy and what that can feel like. And so I always like try to, you know, point them in that direction as well as, you know, looking up, maybe just doing like a quick Google search. And sometimes I'll do this for clients of like positive delivery um, experiences. So they can read that on their own and they don't have to look it up. I'll help them with that and give that, give them some of these articles because a lot of people do tend to talk about just the worst parts of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I really love to – Fern, there's there's two books that I recommend because I've gone to – like, yeah, if you read memoirs, the, the people that are writing a memoir are the people that had really dramatic pregnancies yeah. experiences. So I have been comforted by, like, statistics, and that's a lot of my husband will – when I'm, like, spiraling, he'll be like, well, let's – because I'll be like, oh, my God, what if the baby's born early, and what if this happens, and what if that – and he'll be like, let's look at the statistics of what actually happens. So I've found that to be helpful, and in that same vein, there are two books written by this amazing author, Emily Oster. We'll, we'll link everything. She is a – data scientist, essentially, or economic data scientist. And she has two books where she goes through all the research. The first one is called Expecting Better. And it is like all the research on pregnancy and stuff like that. And then the second one that she has is called Crib Sheet. And it's like the first year kind of like after baby's Mm -hmm. born. And both of them like break down the research and the statistics and the likelihood of you doing this is going to actually cause that. And a lot of the book is just like, here's the research, calm the hell down. I like that. <laughs> I love that. For me. <laughs> More people have healthier pregnancies and deliveries. Like I had, I was lucky enough to have very easy deliveries. So like, I don't tell clients my story, but like if there was ever someone like who asked the question, I'd be like, this was mine. And I had a nice experience delivering, which I get. Again, like I am very open about that and what it Love feels that. like. Yeah. Well, I think we need experiences on all sides. Like I think, Fern, you bring up a really good point because even like when you're trying to decide whether to have kids too, a lot of social media I think is either like the mo- this is the most amazing experience or this is the worst experience 
ever. And it's it's filled with parents being like, just you wait until they do this. Like, Ugh. you think you'll never sleep now. Just you wait. Like, scaring you. Or right. they're the people that are like, this changed my life. I've never felt more beautiful in my body. I've never felt more sure of who I'm going to be. I have blossomed and become this vessel. And it's amazing. And they're I think the truth is right. Like it's it's both, but someone being like, it's great, but it's also sucks is like not very interesting and or to the algorithm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, and everyone's so individualized, right? Like every yeah. pregnancy is different, every delivery is different, every baby's different, right? Like you could have one child who doesn't sleep and then one that's like the easiest child ever, right? And a lot of people love to put their own experience into other people's worlds and mm. which makes it not you know, again, I've the unsolicited advice, but it doesn't really help the situation because just because you have, might have had a not so great experience doesn't mean someone else will or vice versa. Just because you had mm-hmm. a great experience doesn't mean this person is going to have a good experience. But it's all individualized and not judging each other for what you experience. And I think that's so important. Definitely. Or yeah. also, too, of, you know, and vice versa of like doing the research, but also, when knowing your limits with the research, mm-hmm. sometimes you can get down this rabbit hole of things, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember when I was pregnant the first, I actually did this both times with like the foods that you eat, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that I wasn't supposed to eat, like <laughs> a cheesecake, right? Like from the diner. I like freaked <laughs> out when I had cheesecake at a diner and like I would look through these things, right? And you would go through and I would research and research and research and Part of it was like, oh my God, get yourself checked out, go to the doctor, like this is going to happen and everything. And I'm like freaking out and I would look at everything and I would drive my husband nuts. But then on the other part, it's like I ate like all this other stuff. I ate sushi when I was pregnant. I had hoagies and all of this fish and everything when I was pregnant and I was fine and my baby's healthy and everything. So again, it's just, it definitely can go both ways, but like and doing the research, but knowing your limits. We don't know what's going to happen, right? If you're pregnant, we don't know. The only information you know is, it. you know, you go through these spirals. And that's what happens, like, when you do so much research. They tell you can't do this, can't do this. And it can really, you know, make things a lot more scary. Well, we like to end every episode, Leah, by asking if someone isn't interested in therapy right now or, you know, it's not in the cards for them and they're trying to decide, let's say, whether they're having kids, but what are a couple tips you would like to leave someone with that might support them on this journey of figuring that out? Yeah. What the biggest thing too is really leaning on your village, your people, right? Because again, you might not feel like you are ready for therapy and talking Mm -hmm. to someone who you're not comfortable with, but really being able to lean on your partner or your support systems, whether it be friends or your family and, or just like, you know, one person, it doesn't have to be a bunch of people, but just find that person that you can feel vulnerable with and open up with and have, have them help you 
maybe write out what that could look like, right? Or have them sit with you and have them go through some of these steps with you of what it could look like to have a baby or couldn't have a baby. Find your people and lean on them. It's not an easy one to make at all. And ultimately, and Amanda, you said this of like, yeah, there could be a whole laundry list of reasons not to have a baby. And there could be a whole laundry list of reasons not to do anything. The unknown is scary. And I always tell clients this, the unknown is just simply unknown. Not Mm. good. It's not bad. It's just Mm. unknown. It's not right or wrong. It's just unknown. And the idea of having a baby or not having a baby can feel scary because it's unknown. And our minds like to come up with things. So a lot of the cons might just be our anxiety making up things. Okay. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Just be able to, you know, find your people and lean on them as much as you can. And be kind to yourself. This isn't an easy decision to make. Really bring out and tap into your self-compassion part. And just being able to just say to yourself, like, I don't need to have an answer right away. I'm just going to focus on what today brings me. And if today I feel like I want to have a baby, then what does that look like? If tomorrow I say I don't want a baby, what does that look like? But just know that, you know, take it day by day and don't feel it. And again, choice. It's all about choice, right? Which is so important. It's always your choice. If someone is pressuring you to have a baby and you don't want one, you don't have to have a baby. And if you want a baby, you can have a baby. Finding the ways to make that work and also being kind to yourself in that process. Awesome. Love that. Thanks so much, Leah, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope that this was helpful. And I'd love to come back and talk more parenthood, motherhood topic. Absolutely. So yeah, if any of you all listening have specific questions for Leah, we were we're gonna probably have her back. Um, you can fill out the contact form on our website or you can email us at podcast at therapyforwomencenter.com. And we will see you next week. Bye everyone. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to the Therapy for Women podcast. To suggest a topic, submit a question, or find a qualified therapist, visit therapyforwomencenter.com.